This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. Sometimes fixing up a house involves cleaning up and getting rid of some things. Likewise, in order to improve your marriage, you may need to throw out some things. Three things you should throw out of your marriage. Three things you should throw out of your marriage. And we're speaking in terms of fixing up a house. So cleaning up a house involves throwing out useless and unnecessary things. And to do this, you may go through everything and make little decisions about what you're going to keep or what you're going to throw out. There's this big thing today is YouTube sensation, I guess she is, but Marie Kondo, do you all know who that is? She's this Japanese lady and she goes into people's houses and she helps them organize and get rid of things. And she takes everything out of your closet and you put it on your bed and then you hold it up. And does this bring me joy? Or I've seen it a couple of times. Does this bring me joy or not joy? And you have piles and you get rid of everything. My wife and I have discussed doing that same method. It's called the Con Marie method where you go through your house. And I think maybe we need to do something like that. And we have stuff like everywhere. I mean, our closet is like just stuff just piled up. And I have all these clothes that I never wear. I don't even know why I keep them in my closet. I mean, it, I guess maybe someday I think I'm going to wear that pant size again. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking, but it just, you know, you hate to get rid of things. And then some things are like sentimental. Things have been in there for like 20 years in my closet the same way. And I have books that I never use. Like, why do I have these books? But sometimes you just have to clean out things. And, but it's been such a big sensation that in fact that donation centers are being overrun by people cleaning out their house and taking things to Goodwill or taking things to Salvation Army just because they don't know what else to do with all the junk and things that are piled up in their house, things that they don't need. So we do these things and we take things out of our house and we put some things that are worn out. We throw some things out. We clean out our our houses. But, you know, the same thing goes for marriage. You have to decide some things that you're going to throw out. These are things that I need to throw out because they're not any, they're not useful to my marriage at all. They don't help things out. Throw these things out of my marriage. We'll consider three things you should throw out of your marriage this morning. Number one, throw out peer pressure. Throw out the peer pressure in your marriage. I remember as a teenager, there was all this peer pressure. I mean, I felt it as a teenager. And when you're a teenager, you can feel the peer pressure, I mean, everybody, you have to be a certain way to be accepted. And I remember when I was a teenager, the big deal was the tennis shoes that came out. I mean, you had to have a certain brand of tennis shoes to be accepted. I mean, you had to have like Air Jordans or whatever, or you were not cool at all. I mean, people just didn't want to talk to you. I mean, you couldn't settle for the Kmart Cougars or whatever, you know, my parents bought me. My parents, I remember them being so upset with me because I wanted $100 tennis shoes. And they were, they were, we're not spending $100 on tennis shoes. That's absolutely ridiculous. And now people spend that much on tennis shoes. I went to the store the other day to a sporting goods store. I was looking for shoes. And they, I mean, they're like $200 now, two, $300. It's just the latest sports hero attached to whatever shoe. But the reality was that those shoes were not any better than the $20 shoes that my mom wanted to buy me, right? They wouldn't, didn't last any longer. There wasn't anything, there's nothing special about them. It was just, peer pressure to dress a certain way or act a certain way. But it, the same thing happens when you grow up. It's just different things that we feel pressured about. And whatever peer group you find yourself in, 
We feel pressured by that group to do certain things or to act certain ways or to wear certain clothes or what activities to be involved in because we want to be accepted by these people, whatever peer group we've chose to surround ourselves with. But to prevent this from happening, you have to know the difference between need and want. Learn the difference between a need and a want. Even though it was that I wanted the $100 shoes when I was a teenager, the $20 shoes were just fine. They did the same thing. They protected my feet the same way. I could even play basketball in the $20 shoes just like I could in the $100 shoes. And I didn't have to be quite as careful with them. You have to understand that some things are a want and some things are a need. And we feel this pressure when you're an adult and it's just compounded so much when you get older. Things like name brand clothing that you have to wear because everybody's wearing them, right? Electronics, you have to have the latest electronics because everybody has it. Everybody has it. You have to have a late model car because everybody has a late model car. And even houses, you know, my house isn't big enough. Well, what I mean is someone that I know, someone in my peer group now has a bigger house than me. So I feel pressured to have a bigger house or a better house. It can have, this can have a huge impact on your marriage. You feel pressure to buy things that maybe you couldn't normally afford or things that you don't really need. You can purchase things that are not realistic in your budget. You put yourself in a bind maybe because you want to be cool or you want to be accepted. Well, you say cool, right? You say, I want to be cool like everybody else. And maybe we don't use those terms today. We want to be cool. We want to be accepted. We want everybody to think well of us. And so sometimes we kind of budget ourselves out. We mess our marriage up by not thinking about what we need. And we think about what we want instead of what we actually need. And understanding this difference can be a big help in your marriage. I would, I would love to have a 1967 Chevy Camaro. It's like my dream car. I mean, when I see them on the Internet, I'm just like, man, I wish I had that car. This would be so awesome. Only live six miles from work. It would be so cool to be able to drive that car to work every day. I mean, I could just envision myself in a 67 Chevy Camaro. I mean, I would look so, I would have sunglasses on. I would look so cool in that thing. It would be, it's like my dream car. But the truth is, I don't really need that. Even though I want that, my 15-year-old minivan that I drive back and forth to work does the job just fine. I mean, I have what I need. But sometimes we get pressure. We feel somebody, and if someone in the church pulled up with a 1967 Chevy Camaro, I would not get anything out of the rest of the service. I'd be so jealous and so upset. And then I would really feel peer pressure. I've got to figure out a way to buy this. I've got to have it. And we feel peer pressure. It affects our marriage. But you can't let that affect your marriage. You can't, you can't let that happen. It's something you need to throw out. Throw out the peer pressure. Decide what the difference between your wants and your needs and then there's a social media effect. I, I'm going to speak really frankly here. I don't know anybody that is not on some kind of social media platform in one way or another. I know some people that are totally against like Facebook, but they're on YouTube. I mean, it's like one of the largest, largest social media platforms in the world. So, I mean, I think social media is impacting most people in our society, unless you're like Amish or something. I mean, you live way out in the woods. You've totally gone off the grid, which actually sounds like a good idea. It's impacting everyone today. And there's this effect that it has on those. It's a profound impact on marriage because now my peer group, instead of just being the people I go to church with or the people that I work with or the friends that I've allowed into my life, now my peer group is worldwide. 
Now you got all these other people influencing you, whatever way. Maybe you watch someone, a family on YouTube and all these people. Now people just put up a video, just put a camera like this and you're going live to the whole world. I mean, it's just people, everybody's doing it. It's everywhere. I mean, you've got people like that influencing what you do and the decisions that you make. Throw the peer pressure out of your marriage. You don't have to let other people influence the decisions that you make. People's Posts and things they do, videos, they're made with a sole intent sometimes of just promoting themselves. Whether it's intentional or not, if I got a 1967 Chevy Camaro, you know what the first thing I would do? I would take a picture of it and put it on social media. Look at the car that I have. But I'm not going to go take a picture of my 15-year-old minivan. Look at this car that I have and get me back and forth to work. No, I'm not going to do it. But it meets my needs, right? It's what I need. But there's this pressure today because of social media. It puts even more pressure on us. I mean, we think about people's day. Oh, I've got a new house. Let me take you on a live video feed walking through my new house that I have. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, look how big their bedroom is. And all the kids have their own room. Even the dog has a special room under the staircase for them. And then they have all these things that you don't have. And you just think, man. I really need to have these other things because the pressure that we put on ourselves by our peer group that we allow into our life and social media has an effect on that. The overall effect that it creates pressure on us gives us something that we can't really live up to. And it's probably not that much of reality. The person that's getting this bigger house and doing this walkthrough, not a year from now, they may be completely bankrupt. I mean, they may have really got themselves in trouble and if I went and bought that 1967 Camaro, what I'm not going to tell you is I don't have any retirement money anymore. I was just spending it all on some car to drive back and forth to work. We don't maybe see the whole picture when you involve social media. And then there's religious pressure. And the main thing is that you put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and then you do your best to spread the gospel. I mean, that's what it's all about. You being saved, you putting your faith in Jesus and you spreading the gospel message. Although sometimes it all gets lost in peer groups of religious groups in our peers. There's some kind of pressure to be something or do something that you're not. There's this thing called masquerade balls. I've never been to one, but I've seen them on movies and I've seen I've read about them in books. And what it is, you go to this ball and you have a mask on and you interact with people and whatever they do at the ball. Maybe they dance or talk to each other or whatever. The whole time you're there, you're wearing a mask. And then at the end of the masquerade ball, everybody takes off the mask. And now you see who you really are. Sometimes church and religious groups, it's like a masquerade ball. And we put these masks on and, and our peers have this mask on and that we see something that's really not them. And so it puts a lot of pressure on us to be something we're not. I mean, they have this mask on, so now I need to put this mask on. I mean, they have a mask on like they're an angel. I didn't have a mask on like I'm an angel and never do anything wrong. But that's not the way it is. We all have problems. We all have things. No one is perfect in their life. Nobody has cornered and got everything right in their life. But church can become like this. Like we're all wearing masks and pretending. I'm going to be honest with you. The truth is, the truth is sometimes at home I lose my temper. Sometimes I raise my voice at my kids. It quite, probably happens more than it should. But sometimes I just get aggravated. And sometimes I have grumpy days. Sometimes I just wake up and it's like everything goes wrong. It was like that yesterday. Everything went wrong. 
I got up and I felt tired and then my breakfast didn't go right. And then I went to the dump and, and the stuff I had in, in my car flipped over in my 15 year old minivan. And now I have to drive it to work and it smells bad. And I came home and the kids were not obeying me like they should. I mean, everything went wrong. And guess what? I probably did lose my temper way more than I should have because I'm not perfect. Even though sometimes we put this mask on, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all have bad days. And guess what? I'm tempted to do things wrong. Things that are really bad. I'm tempted to do those things. You know, when we come to church, we have the mask on, right? And we feel this pressure. You know what? I would rather just be me and be human. I appreciate people that are just themselves, that are just human. You know what? With all my flaws and everything that's wrong with me, I'm just me. I'm just Jason. No, I don't wear the mask like I'm some kind of super Christian or whatever. But just to be honest, I'm just me. I'm learning and growing every day. I have to go to the altar, not because everybody can see me go to the altar, but because I got major problems that I'm working on. I'm trying to figure things out in my life. We get this pressure from religious groups and, and we want to pretend like we're something that we're not. But don't let that peer pressure affect you and affect your marriage. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. First John 1 John 1.8. The truth is not in us. We've got a mask on. I don't do anything wrong. No, we all do things wrong. We all mess up. We're all human. These are things that you need to throw out of your marriage. We need to throw peer pressure out of your marriage. And there's this thing I've been meaning to talk to you all about this for a while, but there's this thing I ran across when I was researching for a lesson several months ago. It's the idea, it's this question, is divorce contagious? I found this study. I have, when I get the show notes up, I'll have more information. You can go on there, you can read it. I'll even try to put up a graph that illustrates what I'm saying. This research team headed by Rose McDermott of Brown University analyzed two decades of data. If you have a friend in your close circle who's been divorced, you are 75% more likely to become divorced yourself. If you have a friend of a friend who's been divorced, you are 33% more likely to get a divorce. Now, I'm sure there are other factors that go into that. But I mean, the bottom line is people influence us. Our peers influence the way we think and the things that we, that we do and the decisions that we make every day. It's illustrated in these statistics that I've given you this morning. You can let peer pressure affect you or you can throw it out of your marriage. We're not going to let other people affect the decisions that we make and the things that we do and the way we treat each other. This is why you should throw peer pressure out of your marriage. Number two, number one was throw peer pressure out of your marriage. Number two, throw expectations for your spouse out of your marriage. It may seem counterintuitive at first, but throwing out expectations for your spouse can absolutely change your marriage in a great way. By not setting up expectations for your spouse, you relieve yourself of an immense amount of pressure and your spouse too. There's this book that I read recently. It's called Living, it's called The 100 to Zero Principle. And the author's name was Al Ritter. His subtitle was The Secret of Great Relationship. And he explains this principle that he gives out to businesses. He goes into companies and he, he gives them these talks and it's to change the culture of the company. And what 100% means that you give 100% to the relationship and expect zero in return. So this is a, that's a principle that you can apply to your marriage. That you're going to give 
100% your relationship without expecting anything in return. This is actually a biblical principle of giving yourself to your spouse. 100% expecting nothing in return. You get to experience the value in giving 100%, the value of love and the lifetime commitment of marriage. What this means is you completely sell out for your marriage. I'm burning all the bridges, as people say. I'm putting everything I've got into my marriage, even if my spouse isn't. Sometimes we have this idea that, oh, my spouse is doing right. I'm going to do what they do. I'm going to match what they do. And so your spouse isn't putting anything into marriage. So you just say, well, I'm not going to put anything either. No, you put 100% into your marriage, even though your spouse isn't putting anything in. But there's a catch to this. You don't expect anything from your spouse. This means that you're so committed to giving everything that you're absolutely expecting nothing in return. You get the joy of giving. Now, sometimes what happens when you use this principle is that the other person sees what you're doing and they start to give a little bit to the relationship. But you don't have they don't have to do that. Right. You're committing regardless of what your spouse is. You can give 100 percent to the relationship. And it's OK if they don't do anything. It's OK if they're not committed to it. You're putting everything you have. But what happens is the other person sees it and they start putting in more of a percentage. Maybe it's 5 percent. Maybe it's 10 percent or whatever. But it's okay because you're investing 100% in that relationship. It's the kind of investment that mirrors the story of the gospel, doesn't it? Christ gave absolutely everything 100%. And we gave him what? Zero. We gave him zero. And he gave us everything he had when he gave his life for us. He gave everything. For when we were yet in Romans 5, 6... For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we know the verse, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's a kind of love that inspires us to live with him. Him giving 100% to me, you know what that does for me? It makes me want to give to him. Even though it may be half a percent, I want to give to him. And that's the principle that you should apply to your marriage. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We love him, the Bible says. Why? Because he first loved us. And when you put forth the effort to love your spouse, they will realize that they need to love you. And even if they don't, it's okay. Focus on you. Also, you can change how you look at your love and marriage by turning your judgmentalism and criticism by turning those things on yourself. I'm not going to be judgmental and critical to my spouse anymore. Instead, I'm going to be judgmental and critical toward me, the person that I get up every morning and look in the mirror at. The best way to do this is to use God's word like a mirror. Like when you read God's word, ask yourself questions about what does this mean for me? What is how does this impact me? How does this passage of scripture that I'm reading? How does this affect me? I'm listening to a message. How does this message affect me? How does this apply to my life? You're turning all your criticism inward. You focus on you instead of focusing on your spouse, making yourself better. In James chapter 1, where the principle comes from, James chapter 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man holding his natural face in a glass. Behold, 
He looketh at himself. He goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Put up the mirror of God's word in your life and look at, your li- look at yourself and get yourself straightening out, straightened out. And in correcting yourself with God's help, you begin to correct the love and relationship on your end. And it helps you in your marriage. In summary, you give all of your give everything to your marriage, expecting nothing in return. You throw out those expectations. And guess what? Nobody has a perfect marriage. No one has a perfect marriage. You can also develop unreal expectations for your marriage. This dirty little secret that all marriage relationships have problems in some way or another. It's just just that nobody advertises it. Nobody goes around saying that they have problems in their marriage. But everybody has some problems at some point in some way or another. Your husband is not always Prince Charming with a flower in his mouth coming to romantically sweep you off your feet. Wife is not always a beauty queen wanting to jump in your arms when you come home from work. Everybody has morning breath. Everybody has problems. Everybody has things that are not attractive. No one has a perfect marriage. Throw out those expectations and understand it's okay that we're not perfect. It's okay that sometimes we have problems. Nobody's perfect. Throw out the expectations. Number three, throw out the distractions. There are so many things that are pulling at us today. So much competition for your attention that it's easy to neglect your love. One of those is electronics. Personal technology today is absolutely amazing. And when I was little, the only electronic device that we had in our house, the only device that we had was a, a small TV that we were not allowed to watch very often. When I say small, it may be like 13 inches or 15 inches. And, and it was tiny with rabbit ear, rabbit ear antennas. And then we had an answering machine. It was great technology. Someone calls you and you screen them with your answering machine. It was the only electronics that we had. And in the last couple of decades, we had a stereo system too, a small stereo system that we listened to. And times have really changed over the last couple of decades. Now it seems like everybody has high-speed internet. I mean, everybody has a big screen TV now. Everybody has smart TVs and smartphones and tablets. There's so much technology. Sometimes it's good because it lets us do things like, you don't fix up our marriage Get on fix up our marriage.org and we can read show notes and listen to podcasts. Technology can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing if we let it turn into that. You can let it interfere with your marriage. You know, it used to be that couples would lay in the bed or sit in the bed beside each other and they would talk about their day and talk about how things went and have intimate conversations. Well, now we sit in the bed and, and everyone's on their cell phones. Everyone's doing whatever on their cell phones and they're not paying attention to one another. And therefore, it hurts marriage. I even see people, a married couple, to text each other and be beside one another. Or sometimes my wife may text me and I'm in the next room over. It's like, I'm just right here. Why can't we just talk like normal? But technology has done this to us. Technology has done this. The answer is not throwing out all the electronics. Like I said, living off the grid sounds like a really good idea, but you have to learn how to prioritize that technology and learn how to handle that and still not neglect your spouse. Here's some ideas to handle electronic devices. Number one, go on a date and agree to get, get a, get your, not to get your phones out while you're on the date. We're on a date where we agree. We'll leave our phone on just in case an emergency. The kids have an emergency. One of them stabs the other one or breaks their leg or jumps out a window or whatever. Put those things away. There's smartwatches away or whatever electronics and just spend time together. How about this one? Once you're home and you're settled for the evening, grand idea. Put your phone away. 
put your electronic devices away for a little while and spend time with your wife and your family. Take a social media fast. This includes all forms of social media, including Pinterest and YouTube. But for today only. Some people would be like, for an hour only. <laughs> Take a fast from social media for a little while and just be together as a couple. And here's one I'd like to, like to live, but I've kind of alluded to it a couple times. I'd like to do, I've alluded to it a couple times. Go off the grid with your spouse for a little while. Go away for a couple of days. This is a number in case you need me. We're off the grid. We're, no, we're not doing any electronics. We're just with each other for a little while. Maybe you have other ideas. You're welcome to send those to me, and I'll be glad to talk about them in class. Or actually add them to the show notes on our, web, our class website. My email is Jason. It's really easy. Jason at fixupermarriage.org. You can send me an email anytime. I check those a couple times a week. I'll be glad to add it to the, to the notes, or we'll talk about it in class. Any ideas that you have. Another distraction is family. Family can be a distraction, can't they? It's also important to realize that your spouse is more important than anyone else in your family. Guess what? Your husband is more important than the kids. Your wife, sir, is more important than your mom and dad. Your, your wife and your, your husband, they're more important than anybody else in the circle of people that you have. If you're not careful, you'll let those people distract you from your marriage. You'll let those people ruin the love that you have. In summary, three things that you should throw out of your marriage. Number one was peer pressure. Number two, expectations for your spouse. Just throw them out. And number three, throw the distractions out of your marriage. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If you have found this episode helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.